So you you said was that today or yesterday that you had to cut a tree up to get in your driveway? Uh Sunday, Sunday, the, the night that all the tornadoes hit everywhere. Yeah, that's it. Was that Saturday night? I think. Yeah. So Sunday morning in my driveway, I I wasn't here. I didn't spend the night here. When I came back Sunday morning, this giant tree had fallen in the backyard across the driveway. And we have these two big trees right in the front of the house. And I'm always, if I talked about this, I'm afraid one of them is going to destroy the porch I just finished. Well, I just fixed up. I'm still still doing it. But so every time we have these crazy, crazy storms, I get nervous. And so I was like approaching the house in the morning thinking, oh, I hope that tree didn't fall down yet. And anyway, it was a completely different tree. And not not... It didn't fall down. It snapped in half. Sna- it's 30 inches across. I, it's, I checked it yesterday because I said to tell, I go, that's like 35 inches wide. She's like, it's like 20. It's not 35. I'm like, no, it's like, it's big. She's like, it's skinny. And she like did like a thing like this. And I measured it. It's 30 inches across. And it is snapped about eight feet from the ground. Just snapped off. Looked like Godzilla came and just like broke it in half. Was it rotten or anything? Not at all. Completely fresh. Everything. It's just there must have been some anomaly in the in the trunk of the tree for it to take that hit like that. But nothing that was noticeable. And it fell across the driveway. So I chopped it up just so I could pass through. And then Mike the fireman's coming today to harvest some of the, the lump the material because he he burns it in his firehouse. I mean in his fire pit. Or he heats his house with wood. And I don't. So if anything, we just burned it in the fire pit during the summer. But the main tree trunk is probably 25, 30 feet long. And I'll keep that and I'll, you know, carve it into a canoe or something. That'd be awesome. (laughs) I can. It's like the perfect tree for it. Huh. Um, Lots of people reached out to me to check on all of us down here in Kentucky from, uh, from the tornadoes, which were Friday night, not Saturday night. Just, I looked it up to make sure. Um, And we are all good. Thank you to everybody who who checked on us and made sure we were okay. We're all good, but a lot of people in Kentucky are not good, and surrounding states, wasn't just Kentucky. Um, The town of Mayfield, in case you hadn't heard, is a small town. I think it's about 10,000 people. I've never been there, but it's, like, gone. The entire, not the entire town, but most of the town is just gone. So they're having a really hard time, and I wanted to... Uh, put a link in the show notes in case anybody wants to help that town. Um, there's a group called Samaritan's Purse, which is like an international relief organization. And uh, they're doing disaster relief down there. Um, you can go volunteer or you can send money or there's a bunch of different options there. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. But a lot of people were asking how they could help or, um, you know, sometimes when uh, when bad things happen like that, a lot of groups will rush in to say, hey, we can help, give us your money, but then you don't really know where it goes. And so I think there's some worry from a lot of people about that their money is going exactly to where they want it to go, you know, to help people directly. Uh, Samaritan's Purse is one of those places where you actually get proof that it does the thing that you you want it to do. So you can feel confident, I think, in this one. But anyway, thanks to everybody who who checked on us. It does mean a lot. You know, we had people who were worried about our safety and stuff, and that was pretty cool. But we're all good here. I'm surprised that the weather was bad enough up by you, though, to actually do damage to a tree. I mean, I I guess it stayed strong as it went north. I didn't really think about it. But well, you know what you it was? Trouble, David. 
we had uh, windstorms. Um, yeah, we have really bad windstorms here. I'm high on a hill, so the winds that are around here are severe. Like, if everybody gets the wind because it's kind of closer to the ground, then I'm across a tremendous field. So the wind just, like, gathers steam and then hits my house. Every winter, I'm afraid. Like, I, I'll come and... Although my hot tub is defunct at this point, it doesn't work anymore. But like the wind will pick up the lid to the hot tub and take it like four football fields down to the back of the property. Like that's how strong the wind is. And that's just like, uh, that's just indicative of, you know, that's not a big deal. But that wind is strong enough to blow a tree down, I just found out, and strong enough to, you know, potentially peel back some of the roofing in some of the, in some cases, some of the trim around the house is blown off. I just happen to be like right in like kind of like wind alley. It comes right through my property and I get all the gas station signs all stuck in my trees and everything. It's like, you know, unlet it only pay at the pump before you <laughs> bacon sandwich special today. Those are all like blown across my lawn from the gas station. That's a mile, half a mile down the road. Well, David, did you have any, any damage or trees down or anything? We did not. Neighbor, um, like four or five houses down, they had a tree fall and it smashed both of their cars. Just like it was, you, we drove past and it was like, oh man, that stinks so bad. Um, and we live in kind of like a, a little wooded area and a lot of our trees are not very healthy. So we always worry about this qu- quite a bit. Yeah, I bet. They're in our town, uh, downtown. There's like an old house. It's probably... I don't know. It was probably built in the late 1800s, maybe early 19. I'm not really sure. But it's been renovated, and so it looks really, really nice on the outside. And maybe two months ago, there was a kind of big windstorm, and this giant tree in front of the house fell. It broke just like right at the base and fell at the house and landed on the front porch and completely just collapsed the front porch but didn't, I don't think, took any of the house out. But it's right on this kind of main corner when you go through downtown. So everybody sees this house. And I just felt really bad for the people because it's a family that lives there with young kids and stuff. And they have this cool old house that's now kind of damaged and they have to fix it. But they stayed in it. So, But luckily, we don't really have – we don't have any – we have some big trees in our backyard. But, you know, they're still healthy enough that we don't have to really worry about it or anything. So, um, un- Absolutely unrelated. But related to last week, did I send you guys the ADHD video that somebody sent us? I can't remember if I passed it on. Yes, or not. I did. I watched the first ten minutes, five, five to six minutes of it, and I got distracted because that's, that's <laughs> one of my problems. Seriously, I see what you did. There. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of a long. I feel like it was like thirty minutes long or something, and I can't remember off the top of my head who sent it. It was somebody through Patreon, so thank you for that. But. It was interesting for me, who somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience with ADHD discussion. Um, you know, when I was growing up, it was the it was the, and I think the video kind of talks about this. It was the word that they just applied to anybody who was distracted or anybody who couldn't sit still or whatever, as like a blanket term, not as a clinical term. And so this video is actually really good for it was good for me to get a deeper understanding of like why it that is applied to people and how it is applied to people and what mm. it means and what it doesn't mean which i think was really good and just based on our discussion last week somebody 
you know, I thought Jimmy would like to see that video. And- no, no, it's good. It's good. I got a lot of messages, well, a few messages from people that said, you know, that they have a sense of relief knowing that hearing my story and then knowing the circumstances of that child is distracted and this, that, and the other thing. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, they realize there's a creativity there that they have to develop and nurture. Hmm. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. I'm going to put a link to that video uh, in the, the show notes as well, just in case anybody's curious or, you know, yeah. I think it was a good one. I don't know anything about the guy who was doing the video or anything, but so I can't speak for credibility, but it was an interesting video and I feel like I learned some stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. anyway, what what else is going on? David, what have you been up to this week? This week, thanks to you, Bob. Um, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I took your Fusion 360 course. And oh, yeah. it was fantastic. That's an intentional sure. plug. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I am making Christmas gifts for my family. My Everybody in my family always gets the same thing. That way I don't have to shop or stress out about things. And so this year I'm making this little candy dish. And usually when I draw something up in Fusion 360, I avoid all the, the parametric stuff. And I just draw it up because that's just how I, that's what I know how to do. And I thought, well, this time I want to really do it right. And I want to really understand why I'm doing it. So it's this little six-sided, or it could be eight. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, candy dish. And it's got little different compartments. And it's got a got a lid with a, with a texture on there. And at first, I was like, well, I'll just draw a polygon. And then I can change the size of the polygon later. Turns out in Fusion 360, you, once you draw a polygon, you can't change the size. So you got to get a little bit more creative with it. And you have to draw a circle. And then you have to draw triangles within the circle and figure out the angles or whatever. So I thought, I'm going to turn this into a video of how I learned how to make this, this gift. And then in the video, I'll say, if you really want to learn Fusion 360, you should go check out Bob's, Bob's tutorial because it's fantastic. So. Awesome. I'm glad it was helpful. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm at the point. So part of it is being milled up on the CNC. And man, that part is still getting me. The creating the tool paths yeah. in, in Fusion is way more complicated than Aspire or uh, VCar Pro or whatever I use. Yeah, so I, I always hang up on that as well. I know. If I, <clears throat> usually what happens is if I draw something up in Fusion 360 and I want to cut it out on the CNC, Many times I can just take, I can export the, some sort of 3D file. I don't remember the extension. And then import that into VCar Pro and then it'll, it'll carve it out. But I'm forcing myself to learn all this stuff in Fusion 360. But, you know, that's one of those things. And I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where, like, sometimes doing it all in one place is more of a hassle than it should be. Right. You know, like. It, of course, it's good to learn things like that and have done them so you understand it. But, like, I think we still do the same thing a lot of times. A lot of times it will go to VCar because it doesn't need the hassle of working that part of it through Fusion. Right. This th- that, is, that is 100% true. But I've been avoiding it because I already know how to do this other thing. What if this opens up yeah. a world of possibilities where I'm like, oh, now I can do... I can do all this. So I think it's important for me to learn both ways so then I can use that information to decide how I'm going to make future projects. Yeah. And I mean, different projects may require a different thing. One of the cool things about the Fusion end of it is the adaptive clearing that they have built into it. It does a lot of the work for you as far as 
figuring out how to get to the shape that you want to. Like you can just pick adaptive clearing and that it does a lot. Um, versus you have to be a little bit more specific. You can't rely on the software to choose things as much for you, you know, in some other things. But again, that's not necessary for a lot of cuts. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, Jimmy, what have you been working on? Uh, let me guess. Wait, I have a guess. Uh-oh. The trailer. The trailer. Yeah, the trailer's been full-time. We got the kitchen in. I got the plumbing installed. Patrick's been working hard on the electric. You know, everybody's learning something completely new. And we're just taking baby steps. And Taylor is like the research. To, uh, she she does extensive research on everything. So Taylor's been doing a lot of research for me and, and Patrick when I'm doing the plumbing. And Patrick's doing the electric. And Patrick's been on the phone with the inverter company a few times, making sure he's got the right diameter wire. And so it's uh, we're past the hump. Now it's down to the fit and the finishing. So the plumbing's in, the drain is in, the drain tank is in. Patrick's got all the electric in. He's just doing all the connections correctly. He wants to make sure. He's very, 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 very specific. He wants to make sure things are exactly as they should be by manufacturing specs. Like even down to like he wants to make sure he uses stainless because that's how the product came with stainless nuts. He doesn't want to use anodized nuts and, you know, uh, zinc coated. So he's uh, he's very specific with that. So he's making sure all of his connections are good. You know, the last thing you want is a trailer to go on fire because of a loose wire or whatever it might be. And it's going to have solar or capabilities. Or any other reason. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> um, no, well, that would, be the, that would be the easiest, quickest way to burn it down is to have like a wire jumps, you know. Yeah. Wire. And so, so before we completely close up the walls, Patrick is going to just run some diagnostic tests on the wiring. But I'm right down. I'm down to like skinning it. So we do have some of the walls closed. But <clears throat> if, if there's a problem, we know where everything is. We could just poke through the. But it's closed but not skinned. So it doesn't have the final finish on it. So it's. Is there a timeline for this thing? Or are you still kind yeah. of open-ended on when you... No, 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 no. <laughs> like, in a week. <laughs> in a week. And, uh, and Ryan, who, who's uh, my, my part-time shop assistant, is, is pop-riveted. Because the end of video one, it looked good. And I had probably about 8% of the pop-rivets that should be in the skin. So Ryan's been pop-riveting like crazy. Closing up all the seams for good with, you know, silicone glue between them all and everything. So it's uh it's 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 coming in down to the wire. I got the cabinet doors on last night and then I need to fortify them. I put on cabinet doors based on their imagery that looks just like a kitchen cabinet door, but this is going to be a trailer so I need to put like more security inside so they don't just pop off. I'm going to send you guys a picture. And yeah, so it's getting down to the wire. Like I said, it's uh you know the right now I have the left and right wall covered with with the underlayment and then I got a cover the, the ceiling. I haven't done that yet because we just double checking the wiring. I'm going to send you guys some pictures of what we did. Awesome. Yeah, a lot of work. Corian, full Corian top that wraps around. Corian countertop and uh, batteries and everything. When you get this thing done, because you've been working on this pretty Nine consistently months. for... <laughs> How long? A long time. <laughs> um, what's the next like big... Because I know you've got some other big, nothing. You know, no I don't big. Know, like you bought two more trucks that you haven't told anybody about, or like you have a dump truck to remodel or something. What's the next thing after this? There's got to be something. Oh yeah, yeah. It's gonna be. Um, it's gonna be uh, uh, probably cars. I, I, I definitely want to work on a uh, one of the Chevys I got. 
I got the big long. Mm-hmm. I got a, it's like a twelve foot flatbed, so I'm going to make the bed over. So, but I also want to do the body work on the cab, and it's, it doesn't need much. It just really needs to be sanded and painted. Whoever had it before me painted it with a, a roller and a brush, <laughs> so I got to take all that paint off. Cool. <laughs> and uh, it was a fleet truck at a welding company, so like they didn't care what it looked like. Uh, it was a little yeah. beat up, right. but it is. It, it is it is in good shape and mechanically it's very good. The guy I bought it from, he was a fan and is, is a sweet guy. And I threw him an extra couple of bucks to fix the brakes, so the brakes are reliable and you know the system is is new. And uh, yeah, so that's that's probably going to be the next one. Is working on that. The next build, but the good thing is, there's no. It's not for a client. It's for me. So it's a different type of pressure. It's self-imposed yeah. pressure where it's like, all right, you know what? I'll move it the release date to that video next month. It doesn't matter. This, it's like, even though this client has been very easy with me, super easy to the point where, like, they check in with me, like, once a month. They don't, like, demand pictures. They've been really good. And I told them, you know, I said the second half of December is what I told them vaguely. And today is the pivot point, and we're pretty good. We're pretty good. We're really wow, good. Wow, that looks awesome. Yeah, it looks oh, thank great. You. Yeah, thank you. So now we got to paint the cabinet doors. <clears throat> we were going to cover the cabinet doors with with copper, but I'm afraid that's all going to be too heavy. So I'm going to try and talk the client into just copper paint, which will be fine because then they could fix it up later if they need to. I know that's a wide angle lens on your phone that we're looking at these pictures, but it looks mm-hmm. really big inside. Uh, it's it's uh, it should be eight feet left to right interior, and wow. it's twelve and a half feet inside front to back. It is pretty big. And so you see that Corian countertop wraps completely around. I might do a tour today on Instagram. Did you make it so that you could cut a sheet of plywood inside the trip? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's see. For me, I remodeled a bathroom. I don't know if I told you guys that I'd been working on that or not. Um, but we had, but we finally had the last bathroom in our house. Hmm remodeled so we have no more bathrooms which i'm really really excited about because i'm kind of tired of doing bathrooms but by by chance did you get approached by a toilet paper company to do a sponsorship this month i did not that would have been handy though oh i did so i I was just wondering and it was a last minute thing and uh they're like we need a video now and those you can always kind of charge a ridiculous price and so i was wondering if you also got contacted no, that would have been nice. Um, still time, but no. So the the videos we're done with the bathroom, and you know it's in edit, and we're trying to get approval and all that stuff. It was supposed to go out by the time you're listening to this. It was supposed to go out yesterday, but I don't think that we're going to get approval in time for this week, which means we're probably going to have to skip this week, which is going to put us off a whole another week for the month, and that's a drag because I don't know if anybody who's listening um, knows this, but December is the best time of the year for AdSense on YouTube. So you anybody makes the most money from ads in December. So the more videos you have out, the more views you get that month, the more profitable that month, you know, is for you. And so kind of missing a week in December and it's there's five Thursdays in this December, I think. So we had potential for the most, you know, number of videos, but uh we were probably going to skip one at the end of the month anyway, but we're just going to have to skip 
this week. So, kind of did you guys happen to notice that my video got age restricted this week? I didn't notice until Justin Dietrich sent me a message and told me that he goes, no. "Hey, I goes, maybe you didn't know." So, I put a video out where I made a saw blade. I think I, I mentioned this last week. I had to put out a fast video because I had an ad in it, needed to be approved early in the week. So, I had to finish. So, the quick thing I could do is make a knife, and I was cutting the blanks for my website. So, I made one of them into a knife, and I called it Killer Knife. From Sawblade. That was the name of the video. Oh. So that's the only reason I assume that the algorithm would have picked it up and age restricted it. And so I appealed it. I found the email, which goes to like the junk folder. I never look at these things. So I found it and I appealed it. And by the end of yesterday, they they unage restricted it. Yeah. Huh. The only Did thing you have that to does change the title. I did, well, I took out the word killer. They didn't ask me to. I just assumed that was the only reason why it would have been age-restricted. And then when in the appeal, I just said there's thousands of knife-making videos. I'm not sure what's different about this one. And then, of course, they, they let it go. But uh, I think Ben Pixels might have put my email to the top of the pile. They're, they're the guys that are behind the scenes on my channel. And... I just, uh, it was the first time ever in 10 years that any, I ever got like a potential maybe strike or, you know, it says you won't, you won't get a strike, but we'll age restrict it. Uh, you're, you know, you're safe for now, but obviously yeah. it's been, it's been repealed, but I just thought it was funny because hmm. it had the word killer in there. I, I, that's the only thing I could assume because I was just like, oh man, this is like a killer knife. I was just like trying to put an exciting title on it. I wasn't. Saying yeah. the knife is meant for a killer, which is what they literally <laughs> must have assumed it meant. I mean, I think that probably happens with, like, if you use gun in the title, I would imagine the same thing would probably happen. Even if you were, like, like you have to call Nerf guns Nerf blasters. You can't call them Nerf yeah. guns. Yeah, I don't do any gun content anymore. I used to do it a lot because it was always big numbers. Yeah. And I don't know how these channels that are just all about guns, there's huge channels that are just all about guns, you know, Gun culture like hunting, obviously not gun culture like crime, but I don't understand how they survived, you know, the adpocalypse. I don't think they could. I don't, I don't know what happens because, yeah. you know, we all know as we post a video, you got to say, is there a gun in this video? What happens with the gun? Is, does anybody touch the gun? Does the gun get used? Does the gun get looked at? Does the gun get fired? And these are questions, you know, I'm exaggerating, but you have to answer certain questions when you upload yeah. a video and gun content is part of that. So. That's an interesting thing. I don't know if people even know that if they don't upload YouTube videos. Yeah. At this point, when you upload, there's a big list of questions that you need to answer that are about the content so that you are, you know, kind of claiming what the video is uh, rather than assuming that the, al- I mean, the algorithm also, you know, they check it with machine learning and stuff, but you are validating the content, what it's about, who it's for, all of that stuff when you upload to YouTube now. And so that's within the last couple of years. I don't remember exactly when. And, and a funny thing is I spoke to somebody who doesn't upload a lot, but he called me and he's like, hey, I, I want to upload this really cool vacation that I took. Um, and he goes, it's all age restricted and all this other stuff. I'm like, well, what'd you click? He goes, I, I go, when he says, was it for kids? Did you just click yes? He's like, yeah, well, because it's for kids, for everybody. I go, never click for kids because that <laughs> yeah. immediately puts you in the category where only two people can look at it kids and kids are age restricted. So uh, I told him, so anytime you put up a video, if it's for everybody ages zero to 100, just put not for kids. That means anybody could watch it. If you put for kids, it immediately gets restricted because it falls into all these internet guidelines 
that YouTube ignored for so long. And then, you know, some parent teacher council sued YouTube. And that's why all these rage restrictions came up about four years ago. <clears throat> so if it's age restricted or if it's for kids, it has to go into this category that legally it must put it in. So don't ever click for kids. If you don't click, if you can click, it's for everybody. I mean, that's the default is it doesn't say, is this for everybody? It only says, is this for kids? And if in your mind, you're like, oh, kids would enjoy this. Don't click it because they won't yeah. be able to see it. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of confusion about what exactly that meant when they first. Yeah. Really it's still started. confusing. You mentioned from zero to 100. I just want to mention that my 99 year old grandpa now has an Android phone and can watch YouTube. And he doesn't quite <laughs> awesome. understand. He better hurry up because by the time he's 100, he won't be able to watch it. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be restricted. He doesn't quite understand everything about the phone and always has questions, but he can. He knows how to find my channel. I don't think he subscribes to anything, but he'll go and he'll search for make something or, or my name on his phone and he can find my videos now. It's adorable. That's super cool. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. That's awesome. My dad is 82. He just turned 82 and he's got... Uh, like a smart TV, which I don't understand what makes it smart. It's ridiculous. And notifications. Every time, I have a TV that gives me notifications now. That well, that's Grr. that's what it, my dad. My dad gets notifications of YouTube videos of mine randomly. So he'll be like, "What did I tell you guys this last week?" Because I told somebody, and I, I no. I, I, my dad will call me and go, "What did you shave your beard off? You look good finally." I'm like, "What are you talking?" He's like, "You know, when you build a bicycle, whatever it is." I go, "Dad, I built that eight years ago." He's like, well, it just popped up on my TV. I'm like, can't you tell I'm like 80 pounds skinnier and I have dark hair? I go, He's like, I just thought you, you 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 fixed yourself up. I'm like, that video, like the date is right on it, but he doesn't pay any attention. You yourself up. The video, he gets these suggestions and they're always three, four, five years, six years ago old. And he thinks that they're like, they're my latest video. He doesn't understand. It's funny. Mm. There'll be snow on the ground. He'll be like, did it snow up there? There's snow in your latest video. I'm like, that video is from five years ago. <laughs> Every time, too. I said, check the date. He's done it to me like six, seven times recently. <laughs> I go, just check the date on the video. You can see it. So That's funny. Well, David, my refrigerator sends me a, a notification when the <laughs> ice maker <laughs> <laughs> That's annoying. I accidentally checked a box one time, and then I've never, you know, gone back to uncheck it but it's super annoying <laughs> i don't really need to know when the ice is done thank yeah. you refrigerator um <laughs> that's funny so we had a kind of topic jimmy had an idea for today. I, I had an idea what uh, i was thinking because uh, i i'm having a big meeting today i'll tell you guys about it in the after show and <clears throat> it prompted me to think these moments in time where your life took a complete turn and like these moments where like you wonder to yourself, if that didn't happen, where would I be now? And I brought up an example when my brother John was 17, I was 15. He answered an ad in the Penny Saver, Bandsaw Operator Wanted. And we both always played with the bandsaw since we were little. And John had been making signs and, and I was a budding sign maker myself. And so John answered the ad and we met this woman. Her name is Debbie. And she she came to work for my brother. But she also, when then my brother went to college after about a year, and then I took over the position. So I was 16, and I started working for Debbie. And Debbie was the woman, and I recently talked about this. I can't remember where, but Debbie said to me, "You're an artist. You're not like you're not like the rest of your friends here. Your friends are all like 
dirtbags that want to hang out in the schoolyards. You're an artist. You should really nurture that. And I think I might have mentioned it briefly last week, but <clears throat> long story short, I always wonder if John didn't answer that ad in the Penny Saver. She's the woman who introduced, she's, she's, so if I was 15, she was like 33 or four at the time. And her and her husband had the sign business. And I became very friendly with them. And I'm still friendly with her to, to this day. She's remarried to somebody new, but I'm very friendly. I'm, she's one of my closest friends still. And I met her when I was 16 and threw an ad in the paper. And, you know, if the paper didn't land there, if my brother didn't happen to look at it, you know, like she's the reason I went to the School of Visual Arts because she had gone there. And she said, when you, when, oh. when you graduate high school, you should look into going to School of Visual Arts. That's where I graduated from. And you, you, you'd be perfect fit there. And so different moments in time like that where I always think, what if? You know, uh, I remember my dad pushed hard on me to be to take the police and the firemen's exam because he didn't trust that I would ever figure out how to make a career in the arts. And so my dad always pushed up on me, take the police exam, take the I go, I don't want to be a cop. It's not something I, I'd rather I'd rather be homeless than be a cop. I mean, I, I just not it's not in my DNA to want to do that. It just wouldn't do it. And I'm not saying that homeless and cop has anything to do with one another. But the point I'm making is, is I would just rather not do certain things than do it simply because it's a choice that somebody else wants, is my point. And so there are moments where like, I realized my dad pushed, 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 pushed to the point where it was like, like we would fight about it. I'd be like, stop telling me to do this. It's not something I'm going to do. It's not something I want to do. And now because you push me, I absolutely will never do it. So don't, don't push me on that. And so I think of moments in time like that where if I'd have been a little bit more impressionable that I maybe I would have taken the fireman's exam and become a fireman. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am now, obviously. Uh, you know, sometimes where you're walking down the street and if you make a left turn versus a right turn, I mean, there's been endless movie scripts on this concept. But I think of those moments in time where, like, you choose not to do things. Like, for instance, when I was a teenager, if you left Nassau County and went into Queens to buy marijuana, which a lot of my teenage compadres did, they enacted a law in Queens where if you come from, if you cross the border, not state, but if you cross the county border to buy drugs, your car gets taken and you spend like a week in jail or like whatever, four nights in jail. And there was more than a couple of occasions where I said, leave me here. I'm not getting in the car or, you know, hey, well, let's go buy, a, you know, let's go buy some weed. Like, leave me here. Pick me up on the rebound. And there was one time where the whole car people got arrested. And I just got out of the car because I knew, because the law was, was talked about and everybody knew it. And I was like, I don't want that to happen to me. And I don't even use marijuana anyway. So I'm not going to go to jail because you guys have this stupid habit. I stepped out of the car. And they went and they got, they got, all got in trouble. And the, somebody's family car got taken and impounded forever. They never, they don't even give the car back. One or two friends got their car, because this happened to like 15 people when I was growing up. Like it was like a rash that happened. And so, uh, you know, moments like that, when I think of, you know, I made the right decision or, you know, obviously there are moments where you make the wrong decision where you should have went right instead of left. But mm -hmm. Starting YouTube, like what if I didn't start YouTube? What if I didn't get curious and start looking at YouTube at Taylor's suggestion? And I said, mm -hmm. you know what, I, you know, I want to do a TV show again. I, you know, I just 
focus my energies on getting back into regular TV, or at least, you know, that was always a lotto ticket. That was never a career, a career pursuit. It was always just a, hey, let's give this a shot. Let's give that a shot. You know, what if I didn't pick up a camera and start videotaping me, me and my brother making things? Where would that have led? So I just think about the moments in time and, you know, what could have been. Or, and it leads me to, to try and, you can never tell the future, but it try and leads me to be a little bit more acutely aware of decisions I could make going forward. Be like, what would yeah. be the better decision? And then you could like, you could literally weigh both options and say, if I took this turn, these things could happen. If I took that turn, these things could happen. This might be a little bit more <clears throat> fulfilling artistically, financially, and you know, educationally. This would have this big outcome, but it could also have these bad outcomes. It's like, it's like playing the stock market for your future. It's interesting. I've been talking to my kids, not directly about this type of stuff lately, but, you know, kids are, they have a really limited perspective on what life is and what the rest of the world is like and, you know, what their futures could hold and all that stuff. And so depending on the kid within my own home, depending on the kid that you're talking about, you ask them to make a choice on something. Some of them will make the best choice. Some of them will make the easiest choice. And so we've had a lot of conversations recently about like, don't just take the shortest route to whatever's next. Give it a little bit of thought. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is that, you know, in, when you're faced with something, you can just do the easy whatever's next to move to the next lily pad. Or you can just take a half a second, look ahead at cause and effect. And in case you didn't realize, young boys have no concept of cause and effect. So right. Well, that's funny. That I, I constantly <laughs> like I am. I'm very proud of myself. You know, I can strain my elbow patting myself on the back for giving up <laughs> drinking when I was I turned 20 mm. a month after I turned 20 years old I said you know I drink way too much I should try to stop drinking and there was a couple of examples of alcoholic drinking around me my brother Joey had just gone into AA and decided to stop drinking six months earlier and if Joey hadn't had his car accident my brother Joey had a uh, a very, very bad car accident, drinking and driving. Nobody got killed. Only he was alone in the car and he got injured. He spent a month in the hospital with broken bones and fractured skull. And he lived. And that was the last time he had ever drank that night of his car accident, December 16th, 1986. And then I stopped drinking about six or eight months later. But if that hadn't happened to him, I don't think I would have gotten my wake-up call. Mm. You know, and I think, where would I be? What, like, would I be struggling right now at 54 years old? You know, still struggling. You know, there's certain people that I know that struggle their whole lives. You know, they'll put together a year and then go back. And a good friend of mine, he'd been sober for 35 years. He just started drinking and doing crack out of nowhere. I'm like, what? so these are the type of things that you you really got to stay on top of. And you know, I don't. I I truly believe if I didn't have this community and the ability to just constantly create, I probably, my mind would be idle and I'd be, you know, I mean, maybe I should, let me just go get a bottle of Jack Daniels tonight. Why? Oh, I'll go yeah. get a bottle of Bullet. That's new. I haven't tried that before, you know? Yeah. But I don't even think like that. That's not even in my, it's not even in my wheelhouse, but hmm. it's because now I'm addicted to working, but it's got a better outcome. <laughs> Yeah, for real. David, what about you? you have any I, points that come to mind? I don't have any, like, major intersection points. I have a bunch of little, like, l- little roads, and they, they've all kind of added up to where I'm at now. But 
Um, you know, the, the biggest one is working at the ad agency and I was a web developer and we, we had this medical aesthetics client that they wanted to be, they wanted to make websites for all of their doctors. So we designed this template system where we could easily launch new websites. And this was a big moneymaker for us and it or, or potentially could be a big moneymaker for us. And so I got into developing website templates and just like ready to go, ready to launch. And I hated it. I was like, this takes away all everything that I know about making websites and just dumps it down. And this is, and I was just, it wasn't, I was like, this isn't for me. And I was frustrated and there was just lots of work to do. And I, one day I come home and Kelly is like, what if you just try to do your own thing? And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, let's. And we sat down and we added up all of our expenses. And most of our expenses are like entertainment things. You know, you know, at the time it was like Netflix and Hulu and paying for Major League Baseball subscriptions and, and things like that. And like, well, if we eliminate all of this, we'll save this much money. So and I, I quit my job. And here here I am all because I got frustrated and I. It was it was always a dream to be self-employed and, and to do something like this, but I didn't think anybody else would support it. Like when Kelly said, just quit your job and we'll figure this out. I didn't think she would do that. I didn't. And so I got re I got really lucky and I've never been happier than, than right now. So that was one of the the big one. I remember that particular night very, very well, just going through all of our, all of our expenses. And then I got a couple other little ones. Like when I was working at Kmart and this is 1993 and I've had bleach blonde shaggy hair. And then there was this other guy working at Kmart who had bleach blonde shaggy hair. And I was like, I got to get to know this dude. And so, <laughs> and we were both like just pushing carts and gathering carts all day. And then we're like, hey, we should we should get an apartment because we were both living at home. And I was like, all right. And we got an apartment. And then, you know, so many months later, he was like, we should move to Bowling Green and go to school. I had no desire to go to school at all. But because I met this guy pushing carts at Kmart and we decided to move to a college town and go to school. And That's then wild. that changed everything. So, you know, just little... I, they're they're big things, but they didn't. But they kind of happen slowly, and all these little decisions have added up over time. Well, that's 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 what I'm saying. Like it's it, it would be because of our history, each one of our individual histories going forward. Try and recognize those if it's possible. Those moments where you're like, should I do this or that? Is this a moment? Is this one of those moments? Right. You know. I, I've got a couple that stand out just from like, if I thought about this longer, I'm sure I could find lots and lots, but the two that come to mind are based around girls. So the first one, and I don't know if I've ever told you guys this or not, but I was originally going to go to the University of Kentucky for college. And I was like kind of back and forth on what the major was going to be. And it was like maybe architecture, maybe, you know, some sort of design, graphic design or something. I don't really know. But it was a state school, and it's like an hour and a half from where I grew up. So 
it and I did pretty badly. Like we talked about, I did pretty badly in high school. I just like stopped paying attention. So UK was like, yeah, it's a, it's fine school. You know, I can go there and it's easy and whatever. And then I met this girl and she was from South Carolina. And so then from talking and getting to, you know, starting dating her and all this different stuff, I was like, oh, there's a art school in Savannah, Georgia. And I could go to the art school and then I would only be like a couple hours from her. And that was my justification for going to art school. I don't know. That's not enough, just so you know. But that's <laughs> what I did. And I made this big presentation and whatever, and my parents went for it. And so I ended up going to art school. And then me and this girl broke up about a month, month and a half into my freshman year of college. <laughs> so the relationship didn't last, and that's a good thing. But it put me in a place that I never would have had any other reason to be. And so yeah. being in Savannah, you know, set the trajectory of my life for college and beyond. And I mean, I lived in Savannah for 21 or 22 years or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Met my wife there and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so just that weird little following the impulse to try to be closer to a girl, you know, and it wasn't even like the same town. It was still a couple hours from where she was, but just to get closer Wow. Um, that was one of those things that I accidentally fell into. It ended up being a pretty big one. And then the other thing was when I met my wife, I don't know if I've told you guys this before, I was dating a girl. In fact, I was engaged to a girl. Whoa. That we had been dating Scoundrel. for like three years. I know. <laughs> we had been dating for like three years. We were engaged. I was running my own business um, with a friend of mine. We had our design studio and we were like adults at that point, you know, out of college. And one day on a Thursday, she just like, we can't do this anymore. Just, we just broke up. She broke up with me. Called off the engagement on a Thursday. And so I was completely wrecked. And this, you know, this path that I saw forward with her and with her family and with being in Savannah and with everything, all of a sudden just got thrown out the window. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think about anything. All my plans are now changing, everything. And so my buddy Adams um, was working at our church. He was working with the college group, and they were getting ready to go on a ski trip. And so he was like, hey, man, we need more, uh, like, chaperones or whatever. I'm, like, two years out of college. He's like, just come tomorrow. Come with us and be a chaperone. You can go on the ski trip for free and clear your head, get out of town. You know, you don't really have to do anything. So I show up. On a Friday morning to go on the ski trip. This is after the Thursday. The, this is after the Thursday. This the is next 24 day, hours later, yeah. I drive up to the church, get out of the car. The first person I see is my wife. No way. That was the first time I laid eyes on her. And I met her on that trip. We started dating about two weeks later. We got married less than a year later than that. And we've been together for almost 20 years. Amazing. So, like, that's one of those things that I that's never, amazing. I was not in control of that at all. I didn't set that in motion. I didn't make a choice, really. But that was the most pivotal, you know, shifting of my entire life. I mean, in twenty four hours. In twenty four hours. Yeah. Incredible. And, and everybody around us, just to be clear, because I know what everybody's thinking. Everybody around us was like, "Whoa, now slow down! Like you, you just got to have a really long term thing. You right. just met this girl, whatever, whatever." Yeah, it worked. It was right. <laughs> so, uh, but. Those are the two things that come to mind where I was invested in another person enough to be able to like to set up 
um, a bunch of decisions based on on making it work with that person, and then that thing didn't work out for better or for worse. Um, but both of the situations ended up leading me towards a really big, you know, part uh, and uh, a change for my life and. and some of the best ways possible. That reminds me of a silly story, not to get on ex-girlfriends, but a girlfriend of mine, years and years before, uh, potentially, I I think she cheated on me. I don't know. She never came clean, and it doesn't matter anymore. It's completely completely, uh, litigated history. I don't even care. But at the time, she ended up with another person in my group. And a friend of mine called me, who knows everybody, he called me and says, you should send that guy a fruit basket. He just changed your life. Because he goes, I know you're brokenhearted now and you feel horrible. He goes, but your life is going to be better and different. And you should thank him. Basically, thanking this, air quote, friend of mine for stealing my girlfriend. And I think about that phone call with, with my ally who told me, that guy, right now you're feeling horrible. He goes, but that guy has changed your life for the better. He just saved you. You should be happy. And I think of that all the time. And he was right. You know, it took me a year to look back and say, wow, he was 100% right. But, you know, he was almost like, he was like a, the voice of reason. And that's a, a friend and an ally that I hardly ever speak to. He just knew what was going on. And he goes, hey, you got a minute to, to talk. He texted me and I called him. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, I know you're upset right now. He goes, but he's saving you. And you should be, ultimately you'll realize this, this is not a bad thing. So- that just reminded me of that. And, and that set me on the trajectory to where I am now, 100%. I did not have a Bob at my pivotal point in my life where I was going to college. And the reason I chose to get into graphic design is because it sounded the easiest path. It, it, like, <laughs> it, it, really, it really did. I was just like, okay, I've been working at Kmart for four years. I should do something. We're gonna we're moving to a college town, and uh, what what should I pick? Well, I hated reading and writing. That wasn't for me. Like I didn't want to be an English major. Everybody goes to Bowling Green to be an English major. Turns out I didn't actually go to Bowling Green. I started at a community college uh, nearby, but we moved to Bowling Green just to go to school. And uh, graphic design just sounded like the easiest path. I'm like, I like creative stuff, and then I didn't know that it would consume my life for like the next 10 years like I really got into it I really like could not look at a magazine ad or drive past a billboard without like judging it or picking it apart or just being inspired by it so um sometimes the easiest path or what seems like the easiest path is the right decision you don't know you never yeah you never really know yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's hard to know what you're choosing while you're choosing it. You know, it always takes some time to look back and decide whether that was good or bad. But it's up to you to make the best of whatever decision you just made. Yeah. Well, and, Mike, and to like adjust on the fly. Yeah. Like, obviously, none of us are going to make the right decision, and, and even some of the most thoughtful experiences, we're still going to be wrong. Yeah. But being able to adjust and roll with the situation that you're given, and it's another thing I'm trying to teach our kids right now is like. They get upset about certain things, and you know, in their school or their their activities or whatever that just don't go the way that they want. And they're, I guess, because they're kids. Hopefully, they're not too entitled. But they're, you know, sometimes their response is to, "Well, oh well, I guess I won't ever try that again." And I'm like, "Wait, hang on a second. You know, you you have to continue to 
try to figure this out. Just because something doesn't go your way doesn't mean you just like back off and like you're done with it. Um, yeah, we definitely have to keep pushing through because the next decision in response to the bad one might be the right one. Mm-hmm. You know, but you got to get yeah. there. Yeah, that my graphic design story. You guys both prompted me, a girlfriend story and a graphic design story. I went to School of Visual Arts for graphic design. I was going to be an architecture student, and math was too hard for me. So everybody around me at the time, teachers and guidance counselors, like, oh, you should do graphic design. You're creative. And I was like, okay, I didn't even know what that meant. So I went into the School of Visual Arts, ultimately, for graphic design. <clears throat> and I was in year two when I realized I didn't really, every solution I was doing was three-dimensional. I was, like, cutting type out instead of trying to make it on the copy machine or the overhead projection machine. And this teacher who I couldn't stand, I thought he was the biggest hole. I didn't like this guy. I, he was a womanizer. He, everything about him, like he would pay attention to the prettiest girl in class and everybody would just be disgusted by him. He was such an egomaniac. He was my teacher in graphic design and everybody was putting up with him. And he had tenure and he'd been there forever. So he thought he was like all that in a bag of chips. And uh, anyway, he saw how frustrated I was being in graphic design and how everything I kept doing was three-dimensional. And he said, come with me. And he brought me. And I vaguely remember him grabbing my hand and dragging me up a few flights of stairs to a different classroom that was going on at the same time and says, you should be in this class. And then he walked out. And I stayed in that class for the rest of the hour. I met the teacher. His name was Kevin. Kevin is the three-dimensional design guy who set me on this whole path of 3D illustration 3D graphic design. He's the one that hired me for the School of Visual Arts. So that one teacher who I never actually liked as a teacher changed my life. You know, So I always credit, I don't want to say his name because I just badmouthed him, but I credit him with changing the trajectory of my school career because at that point I was thinking about, you know, I was like, I could do all this on my, my own. Like, I don't need to, I don't need these clubs. But meeting Kevin set me on a whole new series of challenges, which put me on the trajectory to where I am now. Every sentence is going to end with that. Put me on the trajectory to where I am now. <laughs> I guess like I have a, a graphic design related thing there as well. So I went to SCAD for graphic design because my understanding of it before school was it's like design, just general whatever, you know. And so as I got into school, I realized that it was very, in, in at that time in that school was very focused on print media. Which was fine. I was like, oh, sure, I can use a computer to do print media. So I go same, to my same first. Was my, so was mine. Like, everybody's doing editorial layouts. I'm like, I don't even like reading. Like, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> so I go into this graphic design 101 class. And the first day, this guy named Mark, was the teacher, I can't remember his last name. He says, okay, just so you know, we're not using computers in this entire class. And in my brain, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm done. <laughs> And, you know, the intention was to, you had to learn how to do all the stuff by hand so that you know what it, what you're winning by using the computer, you know, what you're getting away with, what people have done before and all that stuff. But I was just like, of the mindset that there's a tool right there that does everything I need to be able to do better than I can do it by hand. So I want to use that tool. And uh, because of that, I, I mean, I took the class, but I decided through that semester or that quarter that I wanted to do more computer work. And then I was introduced to the fact that there was an entire computer art major that covered animation and 3D modeling and video stuff and all those things, which I hadn't paid any attention to because I assumed that using a computer for design was the way I was going to end up using the computer. And so even just the restraint of that one particular class 
led me to the easiest thing, David. I took the easiest path because I didn't want to do that kind of work. Um, but it definitely led me down a totally different direction within the same school. So, hmm. And it's in a very sure. similar thing. Like, I don't think, like, if I only ever had a CNC machine, I wouldn't quite understand woodworking. So, like, hmm. of course, I could probably make an entire table on the CNC. But because I've made tables with various joinery methods before, that probably impacts how I would use it with the CNC. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a good lesson right there. Yeah. Well, you guys got anything else on this? Any other ones that? No, I guess in summation, uh, you know, it's just try and try and if you can try and be conscious of those moments when they approach you. Yeah. If you can, uh, I have one more that just yeah. came to mind because of what you just said, and I've told this before. I know I have, but my last semester of school, I took an interactive design class. And it was the, one of the first classes that our college taught with programming in it of any kind of like making interactive media. And so it was make it was using a director. If you guys ever heard of my macromedia director and you could make CDs and DVD menus and stuff. That's what yeah. uh, the purpose of it. Oh, yeah. I remember that program. So I took this class as my last quarter. I was kind of done with school. I was finishing in the spring rather than like at the summer. So a quarter earlier than I'd planned on. I took this class and it was super cool. And I, the whole time I'm like, man, I wish I learned more programming stuff. And like, this is getting my, you know, this was where I really wanted to be at the time. And I was just finding it out right at the end of, of school, starting this company on the side or whatever. And so I go into this class, the last day of class, right before spring break. And the professor, who was my favorite professor of that I had ever had at the school, uh, we're all hanging out and she's giving out grades and all this stuff. And she's like, can you come with me to talk to the dean I thought, oh, no. <laughs> so she walked me up to the dean's office and said, I'm leaving. I'm going back to Scotland at today or tomorrow or whatever. And we need you to teach my class next quarter. This is in a week after spring break. Wow. And the dean said, yeah, you've been recommended by a couple of people that you should become one of our part-time professors. And you wanna, we want you to teach the class that you just took. And I was like, I... I've never considered being a teacher. I've never thought about it. I don't know how to do it, whatever. And he said, well, you just took the class. So you have all the information. You can take the notes and the syllabus that she had, and you can just reteach it. And and so I took a week off, and then I started teaching. And I taught for just two quarters at the school. But I realized so much about what I like and don't like about teaching within those two quarters. And I think that had a, a lot to do with me realizing that there is a certain place. I don't really consider myself a teacher, like a professor teacher, but I think there, I do have some strengths in relaying information to people in a certain way. And I wouldn't have figured that out if it hadn't been for her seeing that in me and recommending me to take over that class. Again, totally out of my control. Wasn't like a thing that I prompted or tried to build up. It just happened. And yeah. I was fortunate enough to be able to take advantage of it. But Well, two, two similar stories with me. But the last <clears throat> semester of school, I had, uh, you know, I had, I, had, I had overachieved, so I had a lot of, like, free time. So I took a quick class, Toys and Games, with Mark Seta Ducati. And, and that's how I got in the toy business for the next 20 years. Because I met Mark the last semester of my four or five years of college. And he became one of my close friends and inspired me to do a lot of things that got me on the path to where I am now. 
so I'm trying to be funny. But also, and then Kevin, Kevin, the teacher who I was introduced to by the guy who I didn't like, Kevin uh, randomly is like, uh, I want you to teach. I want you to teach the pre-class to my class. I'm like, okay. I never, ever thought about teaching. He was, he, he was the one who said, I need students to come to me who know how to do things. I want to work on concept only. I want them to have the capabilities of being able to use this, the machines and being able to understand materials. He was getting students just right into his class that like had these grandiose concepts, but didn't even know how to drill a hole. And so that was, that was the, the teamwork that he and I developed that I ended up teaching for the next 23 years. I started in 94, ended in 2017. So. And that was because that teacher grabbed my, my wrist and said, come up and meet this guy. Yeah. That's wild. Well, I, I mean, it's absolutely worth, I think, for anybody going back and thinking about those times. And they're, you know, obviously different impact and different, they're different in every possible way for every possible person. But there's a lot of value in looking back at those and seeing how they kind of redirected stuff and, you know, but... Amazing. Um, you guys got anything else? I'll go ahead and thank our Patreon supporters unless you have any other you examples. J- you just triggered so many memories. When you said Macromedia, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember Macromedia freehand. <laughs> I used to use Dreamweaver oh, yeah. when it was Macromedia and uh, making little Flash applications. Um, you, yeah, you just sent my mind on a crazy tangent. <laughs> another, this, is a, this is another crazy series of things. So I had, uh, I had injured... I had injured my my pinky and I had a cast on and a buddy of mine called me and said, Hey, you know, I'm working up at the at the editing company. We need new signs for we just took over the office next door and we have 14 new editing suites. We need a sign so when somebody, you know, rents an editing suite, we say go to room 14 or 15. And so he said, Can you make these signs? I was like, Well, I just cut my pinky really bad. I'll, I'll try. He goes, I'm sure you'll be fine. You can figure it out. So I handmade these signs. I went up and met with the owner of the company. Da, 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 da. And while I was installing them, a few, like a week and a half later, with a cast on my hand, and I was up there by myself trying to use a screw gun installing these signs, the owner of the company says, Hey, I know you make videos. You got any videos? I'm trying to sell a TV show. I'm trying to sell TV shows. That's my next thing. You know, I have all the pre I have the post-production. I just need some concepts. And I was like, well, I got a thing on my, my YouTube channel, which I never use. And it was trash to cash, which became dirty money, which became YouTube, which became podcasting, which became, it set me on the trajectory to where I am now. On answering that, answering that phone call. <laughs> To say, hey, can you put signs in my my buddies? And so my buddy Pete and Mike, they're the they were working together at the at the editing company. And now they both live in LA and they run a music company that licenses music. My M I B E. They license music to uh, television and movies. But well, see, there you go. Now you can you can record the trumpet music that you've always wanted to do, and they can license it out to different. TV oh shows. yeah, <laughs> it sounds like somebody practicing a trumpet. See how much I can get for that. <laughs> so yeah that that's one of those things and like if i you know if i didn't pick up the phone and pd ended up calling somebody else to do those signs because he knew i was injured he's like look i know you i know you're out of commission but can you do this because if not we'll get somebody else i was like no i'll figure it out if he'd have called somebody else i wouldn't have been there i wouldn't have the opportunity to talk to mike about potentially selling this tv show which i had recorded earlier and we sold it to discovery discovery 
dropped the ball on us, got me mad, and I started a YouTube channel, and then I met you guys, and that's why we're here now. So Crazy. That's all true. <laughs> Saying it's all true makes me not believe it. There's something in there that... <laughs> no, it's just crazy that like when I look back and simplify the story, I go, wow. Yeah. Right. That really happened. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters for making it possible for us to go down memory lane today. Um, big thanks to everybody that helps us out over there, especially our top supporters, Corey Ward, Albert's Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Low End Designs, Full Steam Designs, and Odin Leather Goods. But there's a whole bunch of other people like Ryan Lavalley. Lavalley? Lavalley. Ryan is another one of our Patreon supporters. And there's a whole bunch of other people. We're grateful for all of them and their support. And they all get the after show. Um, again, I know people have been reaching out that our, our podcast feed is a little wonky. Um, and I promise we will get it resolved. I'm trying. <laughs> Stuff is not as clear cut as I would think it would be. But uh, we're going to get that fixed. But the after show uh, is something that the patrons get. And they have a separate feed that they get from Patreon for the after show. We've got instructions posted within Patreon for how to get that. Whoa. <laughs> now we have Christmas decorations that just showed up on screen. In Skype. Thanks, David. Um, yeah, anyway, so if you're a patron, make sure you go check out that post and how to get the after show if you don't already have it. And if you want to get it and join Patreon, go to patreon.com slash making it. We would appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. You guys got anything cool to recommend? This newcomer uh, goes by the name of Frank Howarth. Maybe you guys have seen him. Frank, yeah. Frank uh, you know, Frank was the first person to post a maker video on YouTube. He has that. He has that claim. What? Really? Tell me Frank more. Frank was the first person. Well, according to Steve Ramsey, Frank Hallworth, and I believe him. I'm not saying he's lying. Uh, Frank Hallworth was the first person to put a video up on YouTube about making something. Hmm. Wow. You guys didn't know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. And if he hadn't put up a video, who we would all be. Miserable at our graphic design <laughs> job. On the path to where we'd we are today. Miserable and I'd, I'd be a, a miserable cop somewhere on the beat, overweight, with six <laughs> kids that I don't want. Anyway, uh, dude. Go ahead. Anyway, he has, every year he does a Christmas ornament. Every year it's mind-blowing how his mind thinks in this weird three-dimensional form. I don't know how he, he does it, but um, again, another phenomenal Christmas ornament. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's like a sphere with Christmas trees all over it. Yeah. Not so. And always good. Well, I'm going back through my history, and uh, I've been... Artie Lang, the, he used to be on the Howard Stern Show. Artie Lang has got his podcast back up again. You know, Artie Lang, the on-again, off-again comedian. He goes into hiding and comes back out, and he, he he's had some really serious struggles with drugs, and it seems like he's on a good course at the moment. And his interview show is pretty good. So check out Artie Lang's Halfway House on his YouTube channel. That's It must be on regular podcasts as well, but I always listen on, on YouTube. It comes out every Monday. And he just had on Adam Carolla, which is interesting, how Adam Carolla was a carpenter. And, you know, he said, they said, how did you, what was your moment like that got you your big break? He was a carpenter that was also learning to box. And Jimmy Kimmel was a radio host in L.A., and he was doing some some 
wacky, silly thing where he was going to like box one of the fans or something. And so he needed somebody to teach him how to box. And Adam Carolla was the boxing teacher that showed up and Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla met. And that's how he got his break in show business. And they ended up going on and doing the man show together. And that's how they, their friendship started. Huh. Uh, mine is a show that we just started watching. That's actually been done for a long time called Kim's convenience. You guys ever seen Kim's convenience? No, I'm going to take the silence as a no. Um, <laughs> it is a, it's like a sitcom and it's a Canadian show that's on Netflix. And it's one of those things I got to throw out a little disclaimer for some language in it, but it's a really, really good um, kind of comedy sitcom kind of thing about a Korean family who runs a convenience store. And um, we, we just finished up the first season. We were looking for something funny to watch. Every time we finish a show where I was like, I don't know of anything else good. And since somebody comes in with a great recommendation, this one was from my brother. So Kim's convenience is uh, a lot of fun and really good. So if you're looking for something to laugh at, go check it out. Kim's convenience. Where is it on? Yeah. Uh, It's on Netflix. Yep. All right. You guys got anything else? That's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, tell you what, we've got a, another show or two this month, probably just one. We'll probably take the last week off. I would imagine we haven't talked about it. But patrons, go leave us some ideas on Patreon for what you think we should talk about next week. We're going to try to do that on occasion. We talked about it, but we haven't actually done it. So go leave us some uh, some ideas. Maybe something you want us to cover at the end of the year. End of year's coming up. So let us know. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank, Thank you. you. Love you.